This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast. Welcome to the Explore Eight Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me today is Drexy. Welcome, Drexy. How's it going, Rob? Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you sound different, Drexy. Yeah, it's, it's the bloody code I've got. <laughs> For those who don't know, before we start this episode, I'm pretty sure Drexy lost one of his lives. Yeah, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry you're not feeling well, but thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. I spent the whole of Christmas in bed. It was great. Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. And also with us is the other guy named Drexy, apparently. How's it going? It's going well, Ben. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I'm like about halfway there. So another couple of beers and I'll be flat on my back. <laughs> good. Awesome. Yeah, as, as you could probably tell already, this show's going to be a bit fun. We're all kicking back on Christmas Day and Boxing Day there in Australia. Speaking of Australia, welcome. Good day, Sean. Mate, how's it going? Hey, it's going out there, and there was Ben, the the crow Ben. He made an appearance. It was perfect. Yep, I just he's got perfect timing. I'll give him that. It was good. And you know what? We have a special guest today, Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, so Jesse's joining us today. He's our like our tactical guy. He's in our like turn based role playing game guy. I mean, he he's got some unique tastes in the like Explorate group here and. <laughs> And no, and it's good. It's great. You know, like he's he's got he he ventures out a little bit more than we do. So that's that's good. We're we're glad to have him here, and he's gonna you know kind of kick in with some of his opinions on some of the great games of 2021. So glad to have you guys. So let's start with the news. Right, first things first, I wanted to tell you that Remnants of the Precursors version 1.0 is out as of today, as of Christmas Day here in America. And so Ray Fowler, who's been working on Remnants of the Precursors for six years now and has made this his pet project, he has completely funded it himself. And I think he said last that he spent over $100,000 on everything with the artwork, the writing, the the translations, everything. So over $100,000 out of his own pocket to remake Master Ryan 1. And now he's giving it away for free. So, you know, the, the the one thing you could do is go and download it because I think he, you know, basically uses the metrics of downloads to, to determine whether or not it's successful. And he uh, he deserves it. He deserves all the success in the world because he's worked his ass off for the last six years to make a fantastic remake of one of the best games ever. So 
you know, great stuff. Really excited for them. And go download it. If you haven't already, it's at remnantsoftheprecursors.com. Or you can check out our website, explominate.co, and there's a link there too. It's one of my favorite games. So we've been waiting for this moment for a couple of years now, really. And last year, there was a fairly big update. And that was when they did this sort of, what well, I guess it was what Ray called the the text complete version. So And things have come on a quite a long way since then. I think he's had to change the race names because because of Wargaming owning the uh, the rights to Master of Orion. And he's, if I remember right, he's kind of like, they, they're aware of what's going on. And they, so he's just changed the names basically just to avoid any kind of, any kind of legal issues. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's out and it's one of the best games that you will play and it's free. So go get on it. Yeah, thanks for reminding me actually. The, he changed the names, I guess, in agreement with Wargaming because the the idea would be to eventually monetize this at some level. So they disagreed that if he changed the names, it would be enough to allow him to monetize it. So I guess the manual will eventually be printed off and that's something he's going to sell. And hopefully people will get in on that because I think that's, you know, he deserves some money. He deserves to recoup some of what he's put into this very awesome project. So yeah, that's the only way he's gonna be able to monetize it, which is fine because the names are actually pretty good. So, and they're they're close enough that I know exactly who they are before you know, before I even see who they are, like just based on their name. So great stuff. Next up is a quick little update for Pax Nova, which had a patch 1.37 and it comes with some balance changes and tweaks and they promise a huge pass on balance and content coming soon. Now, if you know Grey Wolf Entertainment, the developers of Pax Nova, they like to promise a lot. And I'm not saying that they haven't been pretty good at actually delivering as of late, which they have been. But I'm just not 100% sure that I'm going to buy into a huge update that changes everything. But for me, the game is, you know, it's it's decent. It's not a game that, you know, it's funny enough, like, that Pax Nova is not a game that I would say, like, sucks by any means. But I, I just don't ever play it because it's just not good enough. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's just not that much content. And on top of that, there's just, there's I know this is weird. It's a weird hangout for me. But the audio in the game really sucks. It just lacks any oomph whatsoever. And it really detracts from the game for me. So, but I mean, other than that, I couldn't say Pax Nova wouldn't be worth your time, but I also think there's a lot better games to be playing. I kind of feel the same way. I think the game is, it's decent enough and I've had some fun with it, but I don't really feel compelled to come back and play it. I don't think I even finished a full campaign of it, to be honest. So I think it's just one of those things where more content will help and a little bit of polish will help. Uh, I'm I'm less bothered about the you know audio and graphics this uses. Some people I think I think it's okay. I just think it's one of those games where more time, more love will help, and hopefully they can keep keep on with these regular updates because they have been fairly regular in, in recent months compared to the kind of rather shaky kind of schedule that they had in the in the sort of previous year since it was released or two years or whatever it is now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Pax Nova is definitely their best game, so you can give them that, and they have definitely done the best job they have ever done at, at actually supporting it i guess i mean that's the best way you could say like they they pushed some dlc that some of it was free some free patches and then you know they just came out with a, a paid dlc so they're doing a decent job of supporting it i just don't know how they're they're making any money off of it because i don't really know of anybody who's actually playing the game but good for them i'd like to see more keep coming yeah there you go that's all i have to say about pax nova and then last but not least we have an early access date now or early access time frame i should say i'm sorry i don't have a date but for songs of conquest which is the Heroes of Might and Magic, like early Heroes of Might and Magic kind of reboot or remake-ish. Like it's definitely a game that's meant to elicit the same feelings that you'd, you'd get from playing Heroes of Might and Magic. And it's done in this like beautiful, gorgeous, like very modern looking pixel art. 
And it's a game that I've featured a few times on the site. And I had an interview with the group way before, like what right when it was first announced. And it's actually got an, an early access period of second quarter of 2022. So Q2 of 222, 2022. That's what it is. And I think that's something to look forward to. I'm playing the little like, you know, closed beta. And I think you'll definitely enjoy it if you are a Heroes of Might Magic fan. So keep an eye out for it. Are you allowed to talk about it, Rob? I'm not. No. Okay. <laughs> I have to say, like, it being a Heroes of Might and Magic sort of like, you know, emulator, I guess, is, is a little bit of a turnoff for me. I haven't traditionally liked the Heroes of Might and Magic games, but there's there's certain things that I've seen in sort of like the advertising material and, you know, some of the stuff that they revealed so far that, like, just has me very intrigued. So I'm pretty excited to try it out. Yeah, no, and on top of that, it does something unique, too, where it has, like, a very heavy emphasis on songs, hence the name Songs of Conquest. And... I won't say too much more about that, but it definitely is a unique way that they're they're trying to implement songs in the game and kind of make the game feel unique and its own thing, aside from being a Heroes of My Magic clone of sorts. All right, so the real reason we're here tonight is to talk about 2021. So far, Sean and I have placed an article up on the site about our top games of 2021. And I know Ben's working on one. I know Jesse's working on one. And Drexy never writes, so I wouldn't expect anything from him. But we are here to talk about the stuff that's already going to be in those articles, already is in those articles. And then we're going to, you know, kind of just shoot the shit a little bit and sort of reminisce about the year and how awful and great and all those things in between were. So I do want to talk about what I think we so let's let's start with Forex games. This is like a Forex focused podcast, I guess you could say. It's mostly Forex with you know a dash of strategy and a dash of turn based games and stuff like that. So I do want to talk about the Forex games that came out real quick. I mean, of course, we just talked about Remnants of the Precursors, which is a huge release, and it's really hard to compete with a game that's just basically remaking one of the best Forex games of all time. However, if there was a game to do that, it would be Old World, in my opinion, and I know that only really. Ben and Sean have been playing. Now, no, actually, Jesse, you've played some Old World, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, even some multiplayer. Awesome. Yeah, great. So we do have a, a few people here who played Old World. And, you know, it's a it's a triumphant game, in my opinion. It's it's a triumph for Mohawk Games and for Soren Johnson himself, kind of cementing himself as you know, one of the best designers of Forex games, if, you know, if, if not the best. And, you know, it's... It's a year where a game called Humankind also came out, too, to way less triumph and excitement than i was hoping for so those are the three big ones that stand out am i missing any i just want to add that i've not actually played old world a huge amount since i was in the beta so um, i've actually just started playing it again in the last few days and i like what i see so it's not going to be in my top games of the year just personally speaking and that's no slight on the game Uh, i know it's a good game and i think you guys have got it pretty well covered but i've not really played it enough to be able to to really say but man it's solid you know just from playing two hours or whatever it was the other day i'm just i was straight back into it i really enjoy it i think it's a really really solid game man uh humankind i've not played yet and i'll tell you why a lot of people that i really really respect the opinions of say it's really not that good at the moment and i want them to 
do whatever it is that they've got to do to make it the best game, you know, to put their best foot forward. Because I really don't get on with amplitude games, actually. So if I'm when I come to try it, I need it to be in the best position it is, because otherwise I'm probably just going to pass on it. So I'm waiting for Humankind. I'm not going to make any comments on it. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. I'll say this about Humankind. Humankind is, is, is the most potential of any amplitude game to make it to a large audience, right? It's already made it's already made more money than any amplitude studio games has ever made. It's already made a bigger splash than any other amplitude studios game has. And you know, that's because it's historical and that's because it does it's basically, you know, the only real competition for civilization. And civilization's, you know, the 10 ton elephant whatever it is they call it, the elephant in the room or whatever it is, the 10 ton king of the elephant in the room. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's the king of the hill really and so if you're out there trying to like dethrone a major player like Civilization, you're going to get some attention clearly. And, you know, it just sucks that. But yeah, with Humankind being the the game that, w- you know, I was hoping would be the Civilization killer. In a lot of ways, it was doing a lot of things. It's still do- it's doing a lot of things that make the game stand out and make the game unique and also challenges the throne a bit. However, there are so many issues still that I wouldn't even consider it the top forex and it's like in the last five years even for me even though i enjoyed it even though i put a lot of hours into it i still wouldn't say it's a like solidly designed game so anyways i'm gonna go back real quick and then we're gonna start talking about games and stuff but you know so like we've got remnants of the precursors which would probably be you know i mean it's it's just it's kind of weird to consider remnants of the precursors for like a game of the year award because it really is just a remake of a game that's been around forever and a game that's loved by a lot, and it's considered one of the like pillars of the forex genre. I still think it's fantastic, and the fact that it's free is amazing. And anybody who's into forex games should already have downloaded it and played it and checked it out at least. Let alone maybe you know actually enjoyed it. I enjoy it quite a bit. I was playing it today. I was getting my ass handed to me by the normal AI, which is insane. But it was good. It was a lot of fun. And Old World again, like we were talking about before, is is a solid, is a, a very solid game. It's extremely good. It's won PC Gamer Strategy Game of the Year. It's won a bunch of you know Game of the Year awards from different magazines and different websites and stuff like that. So I would say that it's definitely worthy of Game of the Year considerations for Explominate. And I know that we're going to be talking about that here in the next couple of days to kind of figure out what we might go with our Forex Game of the Year. But in the meantime, we've got some stuff to talk about with regards to our own personal games of the year. So. I don't know, Ben, you haven't actually released your list yet. So you want to talk about some of the games that you enjoyed the most this year? I guess one of the ones that's going to be closest to the top of my list will be Conquest of Elysium 5. And I know that that's not necessarily a strict 4X game. It's kind of as much of a a sort of weird story generator, sort of RPG war game kind of thing. It's just, it's bizarre. And it's, it's an ill winter game through and through. Very much, very, very heavy on the content. Quite lightweight on the presentation. It's just good. It's a really, really good game. I think I said in my review for Explominate that Conquest of Elysium 4 was a good game, but it had some issues. Conquest of Elysium 5 is an excellent game. It's it's really, really good now. They've ironed out a lot of the problems. There's still some little bits and pieces that I'd like to see added, like maybe a little bit more detail in combat resolution, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's just a superb game and it plays really quick. It's something that if I put on, I know that I'm going to enjoy it like right through to the end, even if I lose, I'm going to have a good time. 
yeah, I think the first game that I would I'd sort of offer out to you guys as is, is one of my favourites would be Conquest of Elysium 5. Uh, it was really nice to be able to get the opportunity to interview Illwinter as well earlier this year and talk to those guys about, you know, a little bit about their development process. And it was really nice to get some insight into kind of how they they approach the development of that game because I guess people who are familiar with the with Illwinter stuff won't be surprised to hear that they don't really kind of plan these games out from start to finish like you know and certainly haven't planned the series to the series to go in the direction that they have so um you know they, they do add bits iteratively and you know i think conquest of elysium 4 was good but it was kind of a little bit messy in places whereas conquest of elysium 5 is just tied up all those loose ends so that's yeah that's my first game yeah good start i like it and you know there was a discussion recently about you know for and i don't want to get into this i really think this is a, a great discussion for another day about you know how we've you just as, as like a gaming culture we try to constantly like box these games into genres and categories and maybe by trying to continue to like box forex the forex genre into this like category of gameplay mechanics we're limiting it and i think it was a really good discussion and it made me think about some stuff and i really want to get into that one day so we're going to do that some other time but with that said you know i think conquest of Elysium 5 is as close to a forex game as you could possibly get if you don't want to call it a forex game which i think most people still do so anyways so we can add that to the list, I guess, of games that are Forex games that came out in 2020. I don't know. It's up to you. Who cares? Moving on. Jesse, tell me about one of the games you enjoyed most. My top game for the year was Wilder Myth, which is a really uh, cool, you know, turn-based tactical game that I've been following for a while, since before it got into early access. And in fact, it was the game that first brought Explorinate to my uh, attention. Uh, Rob had written an article about it and done an interview with the developers and you know, I was looking, you know, I was hungrily, eagerly looking for any information that I could find about it. And, it, you know, it actually led me to the site. And so, you know, I joined the community that way. But, you know, I've been playing it on and off during early access. And it, you know, finally hit its release point uh, this year in the middle of the summer. And, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. It's just like, it, it, it's pushing the boundaries of turn-based tactical games in a way that, you know, it, it's been tried a little bit before, but like never as successfully as this. Sort of just, you know, combining like really deep, meaty character development, combat, and uh, procedural story generation that is able to effectively emulate the sort of like some of the ideas and structures that you imagine people are using when they when they build myths and legends and fables about characters. And it's just, it was just excellent. I, I had like a tough time, you know, at first picking between it and, you know, the number two game on my list. But the more I thought about it, the more it became clear that, you know, Wilder Myth was the best tactical game that was released this year. Sorry, I, I'm going to say Wildermyth only because they specifically stated in their podcast interview with me that that was the canonical way to say it. So I'm going to say Wildermyth, even though you said Wildermyth, you can change it. You're you can say correction it. priest, yeah. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I was going to, that's why I had to, like, to preface it. I didn't want to be like, Wildermyth, Jesse, Wildermyth. But I'm just saying Wildermyth because that's the way they said I should pronounce it. But anyways, with that said, that was a perfect way of really kind of summarizing Wildermyth. I think that no other game has really successfully recreated the essence of like a board game in like tabletop RPGs like Wildermyth has. And no one has ever done a good job of making it feel like I gave two shits about characters that I created as much as Wildermyth has made. And I really like that about this game. I really like that there's these story elements that I've, I've still even, you know, 40, 50 hours in, I've still never seen before that pop up. And, you know, they, they lead to some really crazy things, you know, like either it's an item that I've never seen before or some sort of transformation I've never seen before. And 
you know, if you play on the harder difficulties, it's actually pretty legit, like very difficult. Like you have to consider every single move, you know, down to the the tile. And I mean, Wildermyth's at the top of my list too. So I, I, I was really having a hard time between my first one and Wildermyth as well. And in any other year, I think Wildermyth would have won out 100%. And I still think Wildermyth is one of the best games I've ever played. But, you know, I, I think you nailed it. That was perfect. That was well put. I like that one as well. I actually didn't know that it had released properly this year. So I, it was like, must have been two years ago that I played that when it was in beta. And I had a lot of fun with it. And I felt like I kind of got through most of the content. But it sounds like uh, it sounds like they've added a lot of new stuff now. I really like the the way that the characters transform into different things. It's really, I just really like the way that the story develops as well. I don't even usually like games like that. I've got to be honest. Like I like tactics games. I usually like them to be a little bit more hard, hardcore and kind of war gamey. But I think that that was, they've, they've just knocked it out of the park. And it's done incredibly well, as well, as far as I can tell. I think it's sold a lot of copies. Yeah, from from what I've heard, it's like they were kind of on the fence about whether they're going to be able to continue to do further de- development and DLCs uh, after release. But they made it pretty clear that it has done well enough that they were able to continue. And, and actually, like, Ben, one of the, th- I would actually really encourage you to sort of like reapproach it now. Because like in the last few months before uh, they released it, they ended up an additional sort of like layer of character development that I feel sort of like really increased the crunchiness and the sort of you can go into in regards to building characters, both, you know, in individual runs and as you sort of like play through legacy campaigns and develop them and, you know, create new versions of them that I think sort of like really pushed it over the edge from a good game to a great game. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to have to dive back into that one. It might even have to uh, make an appearance on my game of the year list. I've got, I've, I've got to write it pretty soon, so I haven't got that much time now. And I think Old World and maybe Wildermyth are probably going to be missed off it, but I might give them honorable mentions. But yeah, I'm going to definitely check that one out. For sure. I mean, there's a reason why everybody's talking about it. And it really seems like everybody is talking about it. You know, I even like, I mean, I, I hate to use websites like Polygon and you know, other sites that are a little mainstream, but Polygon in particular was saying that it was like the Christmas miracle that we all deserved. And PC Gamer called it their role-playing game of the year. I mean, I, I made a joke, you know, it was, it was kind of just a, a nod to the fact that, you know, what Jesse was talking about when I first got a, I landed an interview with these people, it, there's Nate, Nate and Annie that, you know, I kind of got them before they were cool. And it just, it does feel like that. I knew when I saw this game right out the gate and you know, when I started to actually play it, that it was going to be a very good game. And when I had the initial interview with them, I was telling them this. I was, I remember having this like discussion with them where I was like, you guys know that this game is like, you know, unique. And I think that it's going to sell gangbusters. And, you know, it's cool to see back, you know, look back on that and see how well it's done. Because like, like Jesse said, they weren't sure. And now they're super sure. I mean, like, from what I understand, they are incredibly sure that they can keep doing Wildermyth for some time. So that must mean they made a lot of money. Anyways. Drexy, you got a game of the year that you liked? Uh, no. (laughs) Moving on, Sean. (laughs) This year has been super disappointing for me because uh, so many games I was looking forward to got delayed. So, yeah. I mean, the only one I can think of at the top of my head, this is kind of in our wheelhouse, which isn't the shitty games I play with my friends, is probably uh, Field of Glory Medieval, which came out start this year or... Yeah, this year. Yeah, we're still in 2021, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a yeah, that was a really good game. But just so many was delayed. Uh, Distant Worlds two, Terra Victor, uh, Warhammer three. I was looking forward to, but yeah, this just all delayed. And Humankind was uh, yeah. Let's not talk about that. Terrible game. 
All right, cool. That's all you're going to hear from Drexy the rest of the show. <laughs> no, yeah, now I'm going to go cough myself to death. I uh, know. Seriously, we're going to get to the point where actually... Oh, Wildermuth was uh, Wildermuth or whatever. Wilder. I played with a friend, which was... Uh, I really enjoyed that, and I need to get back to it with him. Yeah, it was hey, good. can you multiplayer. play that multiplayer? Yeah, Has it? yeah you can co-op it. Yeah, it's really cool. I had no idea. That sounds cool as fuck, man. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. Yeah, great. So, I mean, we're going to talk about the games we're looking forward to in 2022. So maybe you can chip in a little bit then, Drexy. But we'll not, we're not going to come back to you because you're going to die. If I, I feel like if you're going to talk anymore, you might. Oh, man, poor kid. And you're not a kid. You're old. Sean, you're a kid. Tell me about your games of the year. All right. Well, for the co-op one, I would have picked Gloomhaven just because I haven't tried Wildermyth or Wildermyth, whatever. But yeah, my game of the year that I picked was High Fleet because it's awesome. Came completely out of the blue. You can crow around again. Sorry. Shoot it. <sighs> if I had an actual gun, yeah. Okay, my game of the year that I picked was High Fleet. It came pretty well just completely out of the blue. I had no idea what it was when it launched. I, don't, I didn't buy it at launch because I was trying to figure out what the hell it was. And it's so good that it kind of makes me wish I'd been born a few years earlier so I could have seen the original games that were made like this. Because uh, I remember, I think a while ago when we were talking about High Fleet, some of you mentioned that I think it was Simtex used to make games that were like this with the interfaces and all the awesome gameplay and stuff. Yeah, Microprose itself, it was just like, you know, Microprose, Simtex, they, they, I mean, these are the kind of games that Microprose would publish and make. So it's cool to see them doing that again. Well, they were behind the original Civilization and they also published UFO, uh, sorry, XCOM. So they were behind some of the biggest heavy hitters that, you know, that, that started the genres that we're playing now. So they were one of the, you know, the cornerstones of the gaming industry, really. I mean, especially in strategy gaming. I guess they were a little bit like what Matrix and Slytherin kind of are now, I suppose, but but way more mainstream because they 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 made all sorts of weird stuff like flight simulators. Like Sid Meier made flight simulators, you know, like really really detailed ones on the old home computers and all sorts of things like old war games, like crazy old grognard, you know, war games. There was nothing quite like High Fleet, but I think I think the 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 design the the design philosophy that that is gone into high fleet like with this with this ui that is very much part of the gameplay that's very much you know kind of like old like there were old submarine simulator games that that reminds me of you know that it's very much like that um high fleet's wicked i re- i've i've enjoyed that a lot as well it's a really really good game it's good i don't know if you've played star sector but the combat's a little bit like star sector in that sense and it's got that same kind of depth of gameplay as well yeah, um, I used to play um, B-52 Flying Fortress, I think it was called, which <laughs> it kind of reminds me of as well because in that game, because uh, you could spend different play in different parts of the plane and a lot of times I'd be in like the, the bomber section and a lot of the time you'd be on in the map, just looking down at the map and you'd have all the same sort of uh, interface sort of things like the the... Uh, the phone to call the pilot or whatever and different dials and whatnot you could play with so yeah it's very reminiscent of those uh old games from michael pros yeah basically no there's nothing else this year that's come close to it for me like there's a few of them that i think would have but they've either been moved to next year or they just ended up didn't end up being as good as i wanted them to be so yeah this is hands down the winner basically <laughs> like it's, it's so much fun i've I haven't even finished a map yet. I've just been mucking around with all these meme ships that people build in the shipbuilder. Like I've got this battle cruiser that's got what is it? It's got thirteen guns, and then it's got that six-barreled hundred and eighty mil gun, and it's just ridiculous. Like you just park it at the bottom of the screen, and you just like fill the screen with bullets. It's amazing. But yeah, I haven't actually finished a run yet. But I'm just mucking around with it, but I'm having such a good time that I don't want to stop playing. Like it's just that addictive for some reason. 
Yeah, it's like one of those games where they've given you loads of different tools and then they're just like, okay, now go complete the game. And they don't really tell you how to do it. So you've got like aircraft carriers that can fire out fight, you know, like can launch fighters and you've got cruise missiles and you've got nuclear weapons and th- all these kind of stealth ships and things uh, like stuff that can suppress your radar. It's just, there's, they've just given you this really, really wonderful palette of tools and then, you know, not, and then just giving you a sort of, there's a very definite goal in the game, but it doesn't really tell you how you have to go about it. Just give you a few hints in the manual and, you know, it's just like, okay, here's all these crazy things. Now go have at it. It's awesome. It's a really, really cool game and I want to see more like that. Yeah, and there's a lot of like high level stuff you can do too. Like, like you said, you've got your strategic assets, your missiles, and whatever. And then you've got it. You can do like sudden strikes on cities. But then, like, if you get picked up by a trade convoy, someone's going to spam missiles at you. So you need to move. Like, there's just a you can get like really, really immersed with it because there's just a stupid amount of stuff that goes on in there. And there's a lot of flexibility in how you can handle everything, which I really enjoy. I haven't played anything like it to be honest, but I love it. There's a real sense of dread in that game as well. You know, when I was a kid, I really liked games like that where you have this kind of sense of impeding doom. Like, you know, if you if you intrude on a certain area, something's going to get you. And I think High Fleet's really like that because you've got these you've got these fleets that are absolutely lethal and they will pick up on any activity. So if you start ki- shooting down trade fleets to make money, then you are going to get the attention of one of these these crazy strong fleets. And if you mess around too long, they will just start launching like cruise missiles at you and, you know, all these bombers will come in and just take out all your ships. Like, I've had runs where I'll be, tr- I'll be just about to get to the next place and all I need to do is just take out this city top up on fuel and i'm good to go and then these bombers will fly in and they'll shoot out your fuel tanker and that's it game over and it's just it's like it's so cool because that's just one of many things that could happen you know like they might have hit something else it might have hit your like you know just one of your like crappy crappy frigates that you don't really need but no they have to hit your damn tanker (laughs) with all your fuel in it it's just such a cool game i genuinely live for moments like that when you find a game that you weren't really expecting to enjoy as much as you did and then you just immerse yourself in it like I, there's so few games that do that for me and i'm glad that you found that in, in high fleet sean yeah that's basically what it was i was talking to someone the other day actually i think we we're talking about last regiment but he was saying about it's like that time when you go to a bookshop and then you find a get like a random game on the shelf that you weren't really expect that you don't know if you like but you take it up pick it up and take it home and it's awesome and i mean i never really had that happen when i was a kid but it must have been cool and i'm guessing this is the, <laughs> the, the modern approximation man i lived in the middle of the desert you can't just walk to a bookshop and buy a game yeah but i'm guessing this is the modern approximation of what that's like and it's it's really cool so yeah one of the few few times that I remember moments like that was when I went to I think it was Babbage's or something like that. I don't remember. But it was like a you know, a very kind of niche gaming store and I picked up Ascendancy way back when because I just saw that it was like cool aliens and I ended up being obsessed with that game for some time. But yeah, no, I love those moments and I live for them. So that's good stuff. For me, my one of my games of the year, and I'm just gonna go down the list in my order, but it's not really, you know, like my absolute game of the year. I mean it is kind of, but I didn't really give them like numerical values, but for me, Old World took it. You know, I, I think that I spent more time with Old World than I have pretty much any game of, of this year and maybe of any game in the last few years. I really enjoyed it. I've watched kind of the evolution of it as it's progressed through Epic's early access. And, you know, for a long time there, Mahawk Games was doing weekly updates. And each week they were providing, like you know, sometimes significant gameplay changes, but most of the time they're adding new events and new characters and stuff like that that really added a lot to the content of the game that made it so that every time I was playing it was a new experience for me and you know now that it's past its 1.0 release and it's definitely clearly making a lot of progress towards its steam release and they're still adding more content which is insane you know now there're well over 3000 events and 
you know, they were at 3,000 events at version one, and they've probably added at least a dozen events, I think, every week since then. So, I mean, it's it's insane how crazy that that the team there has, like, just continued to improve the game. And for me, it's just, you know, they're, they're, it's the, the AI is very confident. If you don't know what you're doing, you will get crushed in old world. There is this great balance between, you know, kind of your homestead, your ability to keep your infrastructure going and moving and built up while also kind of navigating these these dramas between characters and developing characters in ways that will make them powerful for you and the ways that you need them to be powerful. And then these battles that are actually legitimately tactical. You know, this order system does a lot to make things feel fast and technical. And, you know, it, it just it's one of the best games that I've played in some time. And it just barely beat out Wildermyth for me. But that's because I'm more of a strategic game guy and less of an RPG guy nowadays. But in any other year, those games would, I mean, like they, you know, it's a toss up. They're both great games. And for everything that Jesse said about Wildermyth, he was 100% right. But for me, Old World just took the cake just by ever, just like, you know, the slightest of slivers because of how much time I've spent with it and how much I've enjoyed it and how much I've watched it evolve and how much I think it's going to make such a huge splash once it comes to Steam. I really think that when when people, like the majority of people who are, you know, uh, anti-epic, should I say, you know, that's probably the, the, the nicest way I can put it. Once they get the ability to actually play it on Steam, I think it's going to make quite a big splash in the strategy gaming world. Even though I have it on Epic, I'm kind of waiting for it to come on Steam before I really dive into it. I have played it a bit, but not enough. But I uh, just want to say, like, I hope it does really well because Layla and Soren are, like, two of the coolest people ever, and I really want this game to succeed. So, yeah, just looking forward to it coming to Steam, and hopefully uh, it, it will be uh, the new Civ game for a lot of people. Yeah, so I, I actually liked Old World quite a bit as well. Um, it's, it seems that every year, like... I have like one 4X game that seems to, you know, wiggle its way into my top list. And, you know, this year it was Old World. Um, and like, I, I was actually kind of surprised about that. Like I had convinced myself that there wasn't going to be another Civ style game that I would be able to get into after just getting thoroughly, thoroughly oversaturated with Civilization play, you know, playing Civ three, 2 and 3 and 4 and, you know, a bit even a bit of a 5. But like, you know, just the, the addition, I, I think... Like the the compressed time frame, like not trying to you know cover the entirety of history in one game, uh, and the logistical pain that the order cards bring, you know, just sort of like really pushed it into a position where it was something that I was actually able to enjoy, you know, both as a game but still as well as the style of game after all the sun. Yeah, for sure. And I know last year you were Shadow Empire, right? You were big on Shadow Empire. Yeah, and in fact, Shadow Empire ended up being my uh, number one game of the year. And it was actually my, my one, number one and number two were even closer last year than this year because, you know, my number two, both, both my number one, Shadow Empire, and my number two, Troubleshooter, are just, you know, among my favorite games of all time. So the, the fact that, you know, a 4X ended up on the top of my list, you know, just sort of really, you know, speaks to how fantastic Shadow Empire is. <laughs> I'm pleased that you took to that game like you have because... I mean, there's a reason, by the way, that I don't have very many games on my list this year. It's because I've basically just been playing Shadow Empire. And I, <laughs> yeah. I think that it's I think it's only just coming it's still coming into itself. Like the game is getting incrementally better and better. 
as you know more and more uh, of these updates that Vic is putting out come out and it's taken me this long to kind of really get my head around it like it, I, I even after that massive long series that i did which was i must have put 120 hours into it and probably a 50 of which were off camera and i'm still only just starting to really understand certain parts of it and that's not to put people off by the way it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it until you've played it that long it's really not like that it's just it's like a it's like a fine cheese. The more you, the longer you wait, <laughs> the, the more you kind of enjoy it. It's great. So I'm really, I'm really pleased that you uh, that you got into it as much as I did, Jesse, because it's uh, it's clearly a great game. <laughs> yeah, Steam says I have uh, about 417 hours in it, and you know I had a pre-release copy as well. And I've been, you know, as the playtime indicates, I've been basically playing it continuously since it's been released. Uh, I haven't been single player in a while. I've mostly been, you know, playing multiplayer games with some friends, and you know, it, it has some imbalances there. Like, you know, it's it's it looks like you know if you're close to a lot of minor minor civilizations, it's easy to snowball. But I do really feel that like it just it brings so much to the table and sort of like overall arc and sort of like you know how you know it's enjoyable both in the middle, in the beginning, the middle, and the end. That I, I think just allows me to continually remain engaged in it and you know, just keep on coming back to it again and again. And like, I don't, I, I don't even, even with those, you know, that number of hours, I don't even, you know, pretend to have any level of expertise in the game. I mostly rely on heuristics, sort of like, no, this works pretty well. So, you know, let me try this or, oh, let me try this thing out. So, you know, I don't have like the sort of like deep system knowledge that I probably should at this point, but I just, it's just a wonderful game and I just, I can't stop playing it. I don't know. I think you're selling yourself short, man, because some of the stuff that you were showing me, like it, it was actually peek behind the curtain here. Jesse occasionally will send me his game saves so I can have a look and I'm kind of interested to see what he's doing. And after the massive sprawling mess that was my last big YouTube game, I was like, God damn it, he's got such like tight efficient logistical routes i was i was like rubbing my legs oh my god i can't believe how like how efficient he's got this all set <laughs> like, i kind of got a little boner so like uh, now, now the way that i'm starting to play is uh you know i'm trying to really build up my cities and kind of get all my logistics right before i i expand too much because usually when i play shadow empire I just expand like crazy and then desperately try to get my logistics to work just to get the the things to where they've got to go you know to get the troops to the front line but now i'm playing much more more like north korea basically you know like i kind of <laughs> like my people are starving but like my, my troops are doing really well and i got shitloads of missiles so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's really safe for my current multiplayer game because it's going a lot worse than the last one and i was actually forced into doing that sort of like you know crazy rapid expansion that you were talking about simply because of you know how bad of my how bad my starting position was i'm really interested in seeing a critique your critique of you know what's going on right now yeah, great stuff. I'm glad that that's bringing you guys joy still. And, you know, I've, I've wanted to keep going a little bit so we can get into what we want to talk about in the next year. I want to talk a little bit about like the exciting games that are coming next year. So we're going to keep going. Ben, what is another game you enjoyed this year? Okay, so there was another game that was released this year that I really, really like. And I've not actually had a chance to play it a whole lot, I've got to be honest, but I'm familiar with the game anyway, which is uh, Caster of Magic for Windows. So this is another old game. And as you know, I quite like old games. And it's a Windows remake, essentially, uh, like a code from, from the bottom-up remake of Master of Magic with the Caster of Magic mod. And uh, the developer, Seraphie, has basically just balanced Master of Magic, made it a load better. I think anybody who's been listening to the podcast for, for a while will have heard me bang on about Caster of Magic. So I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it's really cheap. It's like, I think it's on sale at the moment on over at Matrix, and it's, it's under a couple of pounds. So whatever that is in, in your equivalent funny money. But it's uh, it's a great game. 
it's much better than master of magic in my opinion it fixes all the all the problems with master of magic the ai is brutally brutally difficult it's also it's very but it's fair and it's competent and yeah if you like master of magic if you like old forex games if you want to play what i think is arguably still the best one of the best fantasy 4x games then go and check that one out uh, i think it's something that everybody should play especially considering you can pick it up for you know the price of a coffee wait 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 this just in drexy Drexy, wait, I'm, I'm getting, am I getting this correctly? Drexy has a game he wants to add. Uh, we're going to go straight to Drexy. Drexy? Well, if we talk about old games, I mean, I put over 200, I put 289 hours into Dominion's 5 this year. So it's <laughs> one 4X game I have been playing. And uh, it's actually surpassed my uh, Dominion's 4 hours, which I'm quite proud of. I also won my first game multiplayer game ever it within what have i played between to means four and five uh, almost 700 hours <laughs> well that's not that's not bad mate and i've got to say that it is really hard to win a game in dominion's multiplayer so i'm i'm going to give you a tiny little fanfare there <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the the chances eventually have to work out in your favor right like if somebody has to win every game and you you took 700 I, that's you know what i'm not gonna take away from it Congratulations, Drexy. It's okay, a cookie. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> awesome. Sean, when you name one of your games, it's probably not, it's probably, hopefully not Dominions 5 that was from last year. I haven't played Conquest for least, or Dominions 5, so no, it's neither of those. The other one that I probably put second on my list was Gloomhaven. So this is one that I've really been enjoying, mostly playing at co-op, which was really funny because the people I was playing with rage quit because they thought it was too hard. <laughs> but I, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that. I think it's sort of like it's an automated DM kind of system that you know, in the, in the Guildmaster system, I was run doing spent most of my time in that. Like, there's a DM that tells you to go around and which dungeons to go to, and you're going in, and it's like a like a dungeon crawler. But then there's a lot of resource management where you're juggling around your cards and trying not to burn them all before you get to the end, and like complete. And then you're trying to complete multiple types of objectives, and it gets it gets pretty intense but I, I really enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, I, I ended up playing a fair bit of Gloomhaven 2 this year, about 100 hours, a uh, mixture of single player and multiplayer, and it, it's, it's pretty fun. Like, I, I, I did feel that, like, the enemy variety in regards to sort of, like, you know, what they were doing and, you know, what they were focusing on wasn't sort of, like, quite there in order to sustain, like, a truly huge amount of hours. But, you know, it, it has a lot to offer. You know, the differences between the, the actual characters yourself and the, the, the time pressure that the game includes, I, I think, really sort of, you know, spoke well for the game. Well, while you're at it, Jesse, why don't you give us another game that you enjoyed in 2021? Sure. So my uh, number two game was Wrath of the Righteous, which was something, you know, that I've been looking forward to ever since the uh, Kickstarter hit. I'm a big fan of uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. And, you know, I, I thought that Wrath was mostly unqualified, you know, improvement and success. It, it did have, you know, a fair number of bugs, but so did Kingmaker. It, you know, and they've done, you know, just like they did with Kingmaker, they've done, you know, a really good job of sort of like, you know, chasing them down, fixing them, and sort of like really pushing the game into a position where, you know, if you're looking for that, you know, hardcore CRPG, D&D style experience, it really effectively, you know, handles that while also introducing quite a bit of replay value that I feel that while Kingmaker had a little bit of it, and your wrath just explodes with potential replayability. Yeah, and it appears to be the best-selling game that they've made too, because there's like an absolute fuck ton of reviews on that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and 
It ended up being a little bit worse reviewed than Wildermyth, and it hasn't made it very much onto you know top end of the year award lists like Wildermyth has. But and, and that actually, like, it frankly, you know, kind of surprises me because like it, it's just it's a very good game that's doing a lot of things extremely well, and you know is is a triumph in so many ways that I'm surprised it didn't end up getting more recognition. I think it's too hard for most people. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I bet the uh, Pathfinder games are difficult. I've not played the new one, but Kingmaker it really requires um, it requires a little bit of research on how to play if you want to play it, you know, effectively. So it, you know, it's a difficult game. It's a great game, though. <laughs> Super yeah. Good game. When I first played Pathfinder Kingmaker, I ended up uh, looking up a build online because of the sheer opaqueness of the character creation system. Like they very much throw, you know, dozens upon dozens of options for you. And with Wrath, like it's exploded even more, you know, you know, with Wrath, at least, you know, they, they provide you with some pre you can check out, but like, it is a very crunchy, very meaty sort of game, uh, which makes it a lot less approachable than, you know, something like Wild Rimith or even, you know, a lot of other sort of games in the genre. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, the ability to sort of like truly and really create a variety of different characters, but I, I can see why you know that would hold people back. So you're almost certainly right in that. Then there's only one CRPG really that I think has an even bigger wall in front of you, and that is Underrail. Underrail is a CRPG that, again, it's just so opaque, and it's one of these games that you can get to a certain point, and if you've not actually built your characters right, you just won't be able to get past that point. So that's really, really brutal. I don't think Pathfinder is quite that bad, but Kingmaker particularly, I think that if you don't kind of build your characters really in a min-maxi kind of fashion, you can kind of struggle later on in the game. Yeah, I, I feel that's true of uh, Wrath as well. Um, luckily, you know, they, they give you know pretty easy options for respecking. But I could see how, you know, reaching that point would be a, a pretty feel-bad experience if you're not expecting it or, you know, it's, it's not, you know, part of a play experience that you enjoy. Um, so I can see how that would definitely push people off. Well, there you have it. That's why. Ben's put a, put a nail on that, put a head on that nail. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Good job, Ben, for diagnosing that issue. Thank you for talking shit again. Is that what you're trying to say, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's talk a few more. Let's talk, let's throw out a few more games there. Ben, why don't you throw out another game, and then we're going to wrap this up. And, of course, if you guys want to check out our full list, you can do that on the website, explominate.co. And, like I said, I've already released my list, and Sean has released his list with Ben and Jesse coming up soon. So you guys can check out the site here in just a bit to see them all. But, Ben, why don't you just throw out another game that you enjoyed in 2021, and we'll wrap this part up. Okay, I'm going to give you two quickly. Uh, one is Imperium's Alexander, which is technically a DLC, but Imperium's Greek Wars has had a, a Alexander the Great themed update uh, DLC, and that game is just getting better and better. It still doesn't look any better, <laughs> but it's a super, super solid 4X game. Very much in... It, I tell you what, Jesse said something that was interesting, which was Old World is successful because it kind of narrowed down the time period into just one era. And I think Imperium's is also... That's part of what makes that game good too. It's able to fully explore the era and you're cutting down the tech tree into, you know, like a small amount of what you would get in Civ and it allows you to really explore it much more. I'm not going to say too much more about Imperiums. I think people have heard us talk about it before. It's just really, it's it's kind of complex. There's a lot going on under the surface. It's easy, to, it's relatively easy to play. It's got good AI. It's got a really, really meaningful diplomacy system, which is really, really rare in a 4X. It's got a resource management system that's only really 
rivaled by distant worlds universe um, because all of your resources are important and they become points of contention between you and your neighbors it's just a superb game and i think more people should play it i should play it more the other one i want to talk about just quick is uh, a mod for the original XCOM called x pirates which is basically a uh yeah it's kind of a mod that's set after after the events of the original XCOM game after the humans kind of lost the war against the aliens and you play a bunch of uh, genetically modified bimbo pirates basically female <laughs> pirates um it's it's kind of it's it's a bit of a not safe for work game i guess because it's kind of the guy who's made it's put like quite a lot of nudity in there he's he's kind of unashamedly a fan of things like heavy metal so i don't know if you know what I'm, i mean there but the uh, the animation heavy metal so it's just kind of like big big breasted women blonde hair with you know like firing shotguns and you know it's just it's just really cool it's really very very me if you if you were born in the 80s you love you probably love that kind of stuff i'm a complete pervert so i'm a real fan i'm a real fan of that but that aside like looks aside and presentation aside the game is just super tight it's one of the tightest most interesting and expansive tactics games that i've played in a long time it's still xcom so if you if you weren't sold on the original xcom and i mean the original julian gollop game then you know you pro- probably won't like it it's very very hard and it's probably really best aimed at people who liked ufo and xcom but thought it was a little bit too easy um so yeah that's that's the other game that's really you know you guys were talking about games that have kind of like taken you by surprise and you just kind of find this delightful thing that you never knew existed that is my game this year is x pirates i absolutely love it i've completely fallen in love with it i've had to stop playing it because of my degree (laughs) awesome yeah games like that are awesome and also bad so (laughs) jesse what about you so I guess the next game that I uh, was on my list and, you know, I really enjoyed was uh, Urtuk the Desolation, which I think ended up on your, your list as well. So, yep. you know, this is another one that, you know, hit, hit, hit early access and, uh, you know, sat in it for a while. I, I've replayed it a bunch of times and it just really shines in its extremely effective and brutal tactical gameplay in a way that, you know, I found enjoyable and just sort of like kept coming back to. And, and the development the development system that they have for characters is is really cool too. You you can actually end up sort of like sacrificing your own characters to extract mutations from them, and the the sort of like the, the procedural you know gameplay and generation of the maps and how it progresses was pretty fun and, and very enjoyable. Oh I, yes, totally agree with you. And you know it's simple it's simple enough in its combat system. Like it's not like you're you're you know the the normal stuff you'd expect from a tactical game like that. You can flank. You can you know, do stuff like that. You can take the high ground and, and various things like that. But, you know, it's it, like you said, it's effective. The The character development's really great. The mutator stuff is really awesome. And I also really like the, the art style itself. I think it's a unique art style that stands out. And I don't think there's any other game that I've really seen that looks like that. And for me, just for a debut game, I'm just, you know, I'm really, I'm really impressed by it. I think it's a lot of fun. And the rogue light nature of it was a lot of fun because they can get like I mean the, the battles get very difficult very quickly and you know once you start to get to know what the game is all about and how to develop your characters it's a little bit easier maybe even a lot easier but it's it's still a lot of fun and I think that's why it made my list as well yeah yeah I I really appreciate how ugly and disgusting the art is yeah. um, because it, it really sort of you know speaks to the sort of world you're in it very effectively conveys you know, what you should be expecting because it is an ugly, brutal world. And, you know, they, it's just, it looks it and I love it. And yeah, one thing that I want to actually really speak to as well is they have like basically every faction you can base in the game are ones that you can eventually unlock and play. And I found like, so, so I, I'm the sort of person that I guess is easily 
led forward by you know these sort of roguelite unlocking mechanisms where you know you do something you unlock something you beat it with one way you unlock another thing like for, for whatever reason that you know usually is very effective at sinking my into my brain and getting me to play a game again and again and you know Urtok does it well one thing that I, I think is really great about the unlocks as well is that each of these factions end up playing very differently they sort of like force you to explore like you know di different sort of configurations and how to approach battles and how to approach events and it's just it's great well said yeah i totally agree and That'll be what I would have said through the, yeah, Jesse said it and he said it better. So Jesse, I'm <laughs> guessing you have nothing, right? <laughs> I've got a game that's early access. I don't know whether to put it in 2022 or 2021. I probably, it's probably one of my most played games of 2021. That's um, Across the Obelisk, which is like another roguelike type game, which is, think of Slay the Spire mixed with Darkest Dungeon and you're pretty much there. Yeah, it's just such an um, amazing game. You can play up to four players as well. But it, it does a really smart thing because it's a sort of like a deck builder game. You can have things like I had this one build where my uh, elementalist, instead of dealing damage, all she did was give action points to my other heroes. And then my priest, instead of healing, <laughs> was doing all the damage. So, yeah, it's just such a, a great game. And it's one of those things, again, as you work through, you unlock more stuff for your next replay. And I, I, I just highly... I thought you were going to play it, but I don't, I'm guessing you didn't. I did, yeah. And I, I played a bit. So I, I remember we were going to do an episode on it. So we might still do that. I think we might all grab a copy and... And dive deep onto it because I still I think it's still in early access, which means yeah, it's point uh, seven at the moment, so it's not that close to release. Um, hopefully, it'll be twenty twenty two and we can do an episode on it. Yeah, that's the plan. If it's anywhere near as good as Slay the Spire, I'm interested because I love that game. It's wicked, that is. Yeah, and it has a nice, a nice yeah. art style too. It uh, conveys the the world well, and it's bright and colorful, which is you know it is what it is. But it's also it's it's well done. And I, I mean, I didn't spend much time with it. I still have it. You know, I'd put it aside to wait until it got a little closer to release. But, you know, I was sold on it by Drexy. And I understood immediately what he was enjoying about it. And I'm looking forward to our deep dive on that because I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right, Sean, what's your last? Well, you can give us a couple if you want. But what are, what are the last couple of games that you enjoyed most in 2021? Okay, so one of the ones real quick, Age of Empires 4. Played it. Feels awesome. It's basically like Age of Empires 2 if you dragged it kicking and screaming into 2021 awesome love it yeah and the other one was slipways this is one that i've been spending quite a bit of time this year and anyone who's been talking to me in our discord i haven't been able to shut up about it because i've not going into too much detail but for most of the year i've had very little time to do anything and so this has been a godsend throughout the year you know i might only be able to play for a quarter of an hour or whatever in a night and then have to go to bed so it's it's something that i can i don't have to it doesn't require like a big time commitment you can just dive in muck around with it and if you fail if you forget where you were it doesn't matter you can just start again and you lose nothing from it it's a really tight experience it's it looks easy but it's not like there's a lot there's a lot to it that you don't really see until you really get into it but it's a very condensed experience and i love it for that yeah it's a game that i think i sold you on when i had a copy so initially i'd get i've been given a copy of it on itch.io or itch.io or whatever it is and I enjoyed it a lot. And then the itch.io version never got updated again. And he went straight to Steam. And now like the Steam version is like where it's at and all the good stuff's out there. And I don't have the Steam version. So it's one I've been trying to, you know, convince myself to buy. So anyways, yeah, no, this is great stuff. I think all those games that we've talked about are games that I'm either A, interested in getting and playing or B, 
we have played and enjoyed. So I think we're all on the same page with all that stuff, which is great. So I want to talk a little bit about what I am looking forward to most in 2022. So for, for me, I mean, I've already written my article. The big ones for me are Distant Worlds 2, which I think we can all agree on. And the other one for me too is Galsiv 4, which has increasingly become more exciting for me because I think that it's going to be their best Galactic Civilizations. It might even be their best Forex game ever because they're doing everything that I think worked well for their previous Galactic Civilizations games. And they're adding some stuff that worked for Fallen Enchantress too, which is crazy, including the change that's coming up recently or soon in, in the battle system. So once you, you know, have a ship-to-ship battle or fleet-to-fleet battle, there will be things that are dropped, basically loot that is dropped. And then you will be able to equip your ships later on that you build with said loot that drops. So you basically scavenge, you know, the, the remnants or the remains of a, of a fleet battle. And some of those things that you come up with, you're going to be able to bring back to your your shipyards and build new ships with these like increased weapons and, you know, better shields or whatnot. And it's going to give it kind of like an RPG flavor to it. I'm really excited about that. And I think that the the character design, the faction design in this game is their best yet. You know, they've gone out of their way to make some truly unique looking aliens, and I really like that. And a lot of them actually interact with you in ways that feel pretty unique. I think there needs to be more of that, definitely. But they've learned a thing or two from their star control time. And, you know, I think that's really kind of shown through with Galactic Civilizations 4. And I like the scale. You know, it, the scale is something that you can scale. So you can either make it something that's very big, like, you know, you can make a game where you have a bunch of sectors and each of those sectors feels like a medium to large map on, you know, in Galactic Civilizations 3. Or you can actually just stay all in one sector and play like a normal game of Galactic Civilizations 3 or 2. And, you know, that that's cool. I really like the variety and, you know, the, the game size and stuff like that. And it's a game we're going to be doing a huge deep dive in. We've all got copies of it now. We're all playing it and we're going to be doing a deep dive on that one in January. So stay tuned for that. I'm really optimistic that Galsiv 4 is going to be a big, big improvement over 3 and 2. And I know there's a lot of people who still think that 2 is the better game. Um, and I think that people will be sold on Galsiv 4 because it's really, really different. Yeah, for sure. I think it's different enough to be engaging and exciting, but also, you know, it, true to itself, true to its roots, enough that people who have played previous entries are going to know what the game's about and kind of how to get how to get into it, right? So... Pretty exciting stuff. Anyways, and then, you know, the other games I think that we're all kind of excited about are like Terra Invicta and Falling Frontier and stuff like that and Alliance of the Sacred Sons, all those games that are coming from Hooded Horse and Total War Warhammer 3, of course. But is there any other games that you guys, you know, have... have, I know Sean actually had a list of games for his most anticipated in 2022 that I hadn't really heard of. So, Sean, you want to share a couple of those? I imagine a bunch of the ones I listed are probably a bit out of your wheelhouse, so uh, it's totally understandable you wouldn't really know about them. Two that I would that I'm really really looking forward to that are pretty similar, so I sort of figure I can put them in the same bit. Uh, Regiments from Microprose and Broken Arrow from Slytherin. Back in the day when RTSs were still super popular, there was one called World in Conflict published by Ubisoft, and it was an awesome game. Like I, I will dead set stand on a hill and say it's one of the best rts games ever made it's fantastic and they never made another one and the studio died and that was it these two that are coming out i've only played a bit of regiment so far but they both give me 
a vibe like World in Conflict. I did put up a thing on YouTube and everyone was like, oh, it's like Steel Division, but I don't know. I played both of them and it feels more like World in Conflict to me. So whatever. Anyway, they're two that I am really, really looking forward to because they take me straight back to 2007. Um, for me, yeah, Distant Worlds 2, please, please come out. Please, I really want to play you. Uh, Galsuf 4, from what I've seen so far, it's definitely going to be the Galsuf game for me, which I've not previously liked the others. But one of the main ones I've, I'm hoping will come out in 2022 is uh, Zephon, which is a game made by the guys who did the Gladius. And I'm just hoping that comes out. We had an interview with them. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it. It's It sounds really cool. I've, I've really, I'm hoping this will be 2022 and not delayed. I'm really looking forward to that. And the other non-Forex game I'm looking to forward to also is uh, Lost Ark, which I've actually been hearing a lot of good things, even though it's a korean action rpg stroke mmo but it, it looks like it's gonna get that diablo itch out of my system <laughs> well before i address the first thing you said i will say lost ark definitely looks great and i got in on that, that public beta thing and it was great i had a lot of fun with it so i'm really excited about that and that's coming out in february so that's good stuff and then and to your point about zephon i totally forgot about that one i cannot i, I mean I'm like i'm beating myself at this point because i really shouldn't have because our interview with them was fantastic. And the more we spoke to them about what their plans are and knowing their pedigree with Gladius, I'm really excited about that one. I think it's going to be basically like a really great mix between Gladius and the feel of Alpha Centauri. I mean, like they were just trying to really make those factions unique and maybe even like a little bit of Beyond Earth. And the more they talked, the more I was like really sold on this idea. And I'm hoping that it comes out in 2022 as well. So if it does, it's definitely on my list and I'm excited for it. So Ben, what you got? Warhammer 3 is my most anticipated game next year, and it's coming out soon. It will be out in, I think it's 12th of February. I think that's right, or sometime in early February. But yeah, 17th. 17th, thank you. I've got 1,300 hours in the, the previous two games combined. It is absolutely awesome. The creative Assembly just keep iterating on that kind of on that model and it's just getting better and better. I don't even need any mods with that game. I just love it so much. Um, it's it's endlessly replayable. Just the, uh, the the factions that are going to be coming out, the Chaos Gods and Cathay and Kislev, they just look awesome. I'm just really really excited for it. So that's my big game for you know 2022. I really wanted it to come out this year, but you know obviously it's it's not happened. So that's the big one. There's also is Muhar's Master of Magic remake due next year? I'm, I'm asking as a question now. It says 2022. Yeah, it's supposedly Steam. 2022. And I know that they're going to do an alpha or open beta or something like that. To that some, some sort of open early access period next year, early next year. So Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I really like Master of Magic. I think it's a wicked game. And I just think that I, what will put people off Caster of Magic for Windows and you know the original Master of Magic is just the ancient interface. And it's old. And I understand that people don't really want to play old old looking games anymore and i think if muha can really do a good job of conveying that big open sandbox like gameplay that you got with master magic into a package that modern players will be more interested in playing then they're going to smash it mate and i think that they 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 did so well with thea like i don't really play thea one and two that much but i do recognize that they are really good games and i think that if they can make them even half as good as those it, people are going to like it so that's that's something i'm excited for this year i say what about you, Jesse? What about you? Got anything that's really exciting you? Yeah, um, th there's a lot of games that I'm like looking at that are sort of like you know they're smaller indie games from unproven studios. So I'm hoping that just due to the sheer quantity of the ones that look like 
they're coming out next year that, you know, some of them are going to end up being, you know, amazing. But the game that I'm actually looking forward to is, is actually not even announced for PC yet. Uh, it'll probably show up on PC eventually, but it's a Square Enix game called Triangle Strategy uh, that's coming out for the Switch. And it looks like it's going to be a really fun looking, like old school style tactical RPG in the, in, you know, in the vein of Ogre Tactics or Final Fantasy Tactics. And, you know, it's been a long time since Square Enix has come out with something like this. And the demo was a lot of fun. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yes, I played the demo. I loved it. I'm with yeah. you on that. It's, it's extraordinarily exciting. And I hate the name of it, but it's still going to be great. Yeah, it's, um, I, I have no idea why they came to the conclusion that calling it Triangle Strategy was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't even convey anything about the game. It's so dumb, but oh well. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I love the demo. It was, it was something that I played through a couple times just because I enjoyed it so much. Do you have anything else you had on your list? Uh, I mean, like I said, there, there's a lot of like smaller indie games that I, I, could, I could run through a few of them if you like. Yeah, um, throw them out there. So, so one of them that I've, I've had an eye on for a while that uh, ended up, I, I played the demo for it, and it's not officially announced for 2022, but I'm pretty sure it's coming out this year. It's called Iron Oath. It's a turn-based tactical RPG where you're leading and recruiting a band of managing a group of mercenaries, uh, which, you know, is, the general description is very similar to Battle Brothers, which is one of my favorite games of all time. It's very similar to War Tales, which hit early access, uh, you know, just within the last month. So, like, it's both of those are, are games that I enjoy. And so, you know, the general idea is something that I'm already inclined towards. But, like, the, the game ba- gameplay, the f- battles, the sort of character development are all things that I, I found really enjoyable in the demo. And some of the things they're, they're teasing in the, the description for, like, how the more strategic elements are going to be played out look really cool. Like, uh, it looks like you're going to have, like, generations of mercenaries. You know, characters are going to get old and die. You're going to sort of like have to have to manage this this group over a very long period of time, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Another one is uh, this game called Arcadian Atlas, which I'm looking forward to it for very similar reasons that I'm looking forward to to uh, Triangle Strategy. It's a very old school style strategy RPG, you know, very you know in, in line with some of the classics. Uh, I'm a little bit less excited about it than you know Triangle Strategy, but you know I, I think it shows a lot of potential. And, you know, Songs of Conquest is probably coming out. War Tales is probably going to come out. Oh, actually, there's one more. And, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but Lost, Lost Eidolons uh, is being made by a Korean studio. It's supposed to come out later in 2022. It's, you know, along the lines of Fire Emblem. They had a demo during one of the Steam demo fests, um, which was pretty fun. I'm not normally, you know, more incl- inclined towards the ones that are, you know, in the Fire Emblem family of strategy RPGs, but it was doing a lot of things right, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Um, one game I actually forgot from my 2021 list was Warhammer Battle Sector, which was, I absolutely loved the game, but over time, it, the biggest prop flaw with that game was the lack of content, but they are coming out with more playable races in 2022. I think uh, Necrons are up first, so... The AI sucks, man, in that game. I yeah. It's one of those know. games that the more you play it, the, the more the flaws thing, but hopefully it'll get sorted. It looks wicked, and the, it looks it looks great. It's a Warhammer game. The uh, Everything about it should work, right? Uh, but I'll tell you what it is. I don't really like playing campaigns very much. I can't be bothered with them. I don't really have the time for them now. So I like to play like you know this, what I would call a skirmish map, uh, custom battle, whatever. 
and I put it on a custom battle, and the AI just threw its like leader at me, um, into, just ran into my whole army, suicided, and then threw one of every one of its units one at a time at me, and I was like, "This fucking sucks! Like this is so bad. How has this got through uh, through QA? I have no idea how that like that even I happened." I think because they've focused more on the campaign. The campaign's way better than the skirmish. The skir- I don't I don't even bother with the skirmish, but uh, yeah, maybe they can fix that. But yeah, if you don't yeah. like the campaign then yeah you won't like the game i should just play the campaign really i'm just being i'm i just i'm a bit stuck in my ways i'm a bit like daz i know daz is the same as me he doesn't really like playing campaigns in these games and i just like the campaign has to be good and i play in something like in something like fantasy general where the game is built around the campaign you know like panzer corps where you know you've got this kind of you if you lose too many units in the first map then your sepo map's going to be really hard and you get like a you know leveling up system between i love those kind of games and i know that battle sector is like that but i just i don't know maybe i just need to give it more time but yeah i i judged it purely on the skirmish and i just thought it sucked <laughs> i thought it was really bad yeah my focus was on the campaign too and i had a really good time we've talked about this before i'm pretty much the opposite to you with this like when i play real-time strategy games when i'm playing turn-based games like i if, if it's a good campaign i tend to much prefer it like I'll, I'll muck around with the skirmish but um it's a it's a thing with living in australia too is that multiplayer just isn't really an option i spent about a week trying to line a multiplayer match up with someone and just gave up on it so i i haven't really gotten a chance to play against anybody but the campaign is much much better i think than the than the skirmish yeah, great stuff, guys. There's there's a lot of stuff to look forward to in 2022. And something that I wanted to mention, too, that I had listed on my little anticipated listing was that the Interstellar Space Genesis expansion, second expansion, is coming out next year as well. And that, for me, I think the reason why I'm really excited about that is because I feel like Interstellar Space Genesis is really close to being extraordinarily good. And it's probably the best Moo, like Master Ryan 2 clone or remake or whatever you want to call it. But you know, what I thought was great about the last expansion was that it needed content and it provided content. And now with the next expansion, there's been talk about some new gameplay mechanics and we don't really know anything about the game at all. In fact, we don't know anything about the expansion at all whatsoever. They were supposed to give us some hints and tidbits about what was going to happen late this year and they didn't. And now they've got pushed... an image. That was all you got. <laughs> yeah, we got we got an image of something that doesn't even make sense. Like it's just like an alien holding up a, a vial or a flask. and it doesn't really convey anything that I can figure out that would mean, you know, anything to me with, with regards to gameplay, but yeah, I'm really excited about what they're going to do. I think Adam solo understands and the the team behind practice games, everybody, they they understand what the game needs to, you know, feel more complete. And so I'm expecting something pretty good from them. And then last, we also have the last couple, you know, I mentioned them very briefly from hooded horse. We have falling frontier, which we've talked about at length before we had a great, interview with the uh, lead developer, the solo developer there, Todd Darcy. He's a great dude. He had a lot of great stuff to say about this game, and the video that they've shown is stupid good, and there's a lot of hype around it. I mean, even IGN's getting behind it, so you know it's probably you know something that's going to be decent. I'm not saying IGN's like the metric for everything great, but if they're getting into an indie strategy game, it's, you know there's, there's definitely some hype around it. And then also, of course, we mentioned Alliance of the Sacred Sons, and pretty much anything that Hood Horse has done or has signed on to right now, you know, Alliance of the Sacred Sons and Terra Invicta, both games that I know a lot of people are excited for. So we will be doing a lot of playing of video games next year. You know, we've got, you know, even Expeditions Rome, which is something that they didn't even announce until like a week ago and is going to be released in like two weeks, is a game that I got excited about. I mean, like that wasn't a game that was even on my radar at all whatsoever, but then they dropped a, like a, an hour long or four hour long demo. And I'm all of a sudden very excited about it. What's so, that one, Rob? 
Expeditions Rome. It's the new, the next one in the Expedition series. So they did Expeditions Vikings and Expeditions. Ooh, what is the other one? Conquistadors. Conquistadors. Yep, Conquistadors. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and the Vikings game, the Conquistadors game was all right. The Vikings one was pretty good. What I've played of Rome looks fantastic, and I'm really excited about it. So I mean, the the production value is a very high. The gameplay actually in itself was great, and I mean it was just a demo, and hopefully it doesn't drop off after the first few hours there, but. It was a lot of fun, so I'm really looking forward to what that's going to be. And I know that we got a copy coming for Jesse, so he's going to be able to give us the the nitty gritty here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I I ended up, I played the demo as well, and honestly, I didn't even I didn't like the previous ones very much. Um, I bounced off both of them pretty hard, but this demo was very convincing, and I think the game has a lot of potential. Tactical elements already look good. The hints of strategic elements look pretty exciting, and the, the one thing that I'm really concerned about is how you know character development looks and you know develops over the course of the game but i'm really looking forward to trying it out yes i'm excited to see what you end up thinking of it and hopefully you'll convince me one way or the other to get myself so great stuff anybody else have anything before we wrap up this last episode of the year 2021 yeah blood bowl 3 is coming out soon right yeah didn't they push that back into february 2 as well like i feel like everything's coming out in february or march i don't know i've not actually followed it at all i'll tell you why partly because uh, i bought blood bowl 2 after owning the original and then, you know, they only had like four teams or six teams or whatever it was. And the thought of buying all the damn DLC to get all the teams back really, really annoyed me. And I kind of feel the same way again with Blood Bowl 3. It's like Blood Bowl 2 is good enough. I don't know why they had to bother make, releasing another one. Oh, yeah, I do because of money. But uh, I, it's my favorite game. It's one of my favorite games. I've got more. I've not actually played Blood Bowl 2 in about three years. And I've, it's still my number three top played game on Steam. So that just goes to show how much I've played Blood Bowl. It's, it's ridiculous how much I've played it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's entirely a multiplayer game. I've never, ever played it in single player. I just play it multiplayer. It's one of my favorite games ever made. I think it's one of the best two player games ever made. And yeah, I'm, I, I can't like, I can't let 2022 go by without saying that, yeah, I'm going to get Blood Bowl 3. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, 2022 sounds like it's going to be an incredible year for strategy gamers and like tactics gamers and strategy RPG fans. Anything that you like, any if, hell, video games in general. Like if you like video games, you're going to enjoy 2022 because I think that's like nearly every game that I'm excited about or have been excited about for the past few years is coming out in 2022. So, and then even the games that aren't coming out in 22 that came out maybe this year, I feel like we'll only get better in 2022. So there's a lot to be excited about. And even if you're just not a strategy game fan, I mean, like for me, I'm really excited about Elden Ring, which is the next Dark Souls like game basically. And that one's something that I've, you know, I, I very rarely pre-order games and I pre-order that one. And Ooh, yeah, I've not heard of that. Yeah, no, it's, it's the new, the new, you know, uh, from, software. from software RPG and, it's open world that looks amazing. So I'm 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 really excited. There's just so many good games coming out next year. I have I'm hoping that I have the time to play even half of them. Still not finished Dark Souls 3 yet. <laughs> or, or Sekiro. <laughs> I think the real question was this how are we gonna cover all this stuff? Oh we're not. We're not going to. There's no way. We're I, screwed. I, yeah. I, I'm I mean, gonna fail my degree. Yeah, there you go. He's not going to do shit. <laughs> Take, but, taking one for the team. Yeah. No, I mean, we've got... <laughs> the, uh, the great thing is, is that at least for 4X games, I know we've got those covered, but the other ones, like, I just there's so many strategy games. I, how do you put in enough hours into games like Falling Frontier, Terra Invicta, Alliance of the Sacred Sons? I mean, like, those are three huge games and huge releases that I know that we're just, you know... I mean, we're going to, of course, but those there's just so many of them that are just going to be really time consuming and i know we'll probably be able to rely on ben for total war warhammer 3 since he's a warhammer 
fanatic and he, he knows enough about the first two to kind of give a good comparison but man it just it feels daunting it really does well i i've always said that in order to get a good grip on a 4x game you need 40 hours minimum and that's you might just get through two campaigns if you play on a small game you know they're not easy games to review and they're not easy like you can i don't know like here's an example like everybody played humankind loads gave it all these positive reviews and then it wasn't until like 60 70 hours that people started to see some of the flaws of the game and that's standard with forex right like you know you can be in love with the game and then sort of like 60 70 hours and after you've played it maybe two or three times through you start like ah hang on a minute i see now there's there's issues so it's so hard jesse's kind of got a somewhat easier job i guess because and, and, and Sean, we're playing playing tactics games because they generally have a little bit shorter of a, a run run time when you're playing through once. Um, well, I think so. And so it, it's kind of easier to pick up on when a, when a shorter game is kind of bad. Whereas forex games often they don't really show their their weaknesses until you know, like I say, 40, 60 hours in. So I don't know. I'll be able to. I'll be able to do Warhammer three pretty quick. Uh, I'll be able because I'm so familiar with the previous games that I think it'll be reasonably easy for me to be able to tell where it's at. The, also, the thing about Total War games is that they they're they they're a constant iterative process, and I wouldn't even say that Warhammer two has really come into its own until in the last sort of year or so, where they've really patched some of the really bad factions, you know, and and kind of fixed some of the stuff that was really annoying. There's still stuff that they've got to do in Warhammer two to really make it completely good. So I don't know. It's difficult to do these games. We're just gonna have to. We're gonna have to, uh, you know, lay it on the line for you guys who are listening, and you know, throw our hearts into it, and just try and figure out how we can how we can make some money <laughs> whilst playing all these games at the same time. Yeah, you're you're right about the amount uh, as you need to put in the forex because I had the same experience with another amplitude game, which was Endless Space Two. I thought it was great for the first sixty hours, and then it was only past that point I started to seal the flaws and that with it. Uh, yeah, and uh, as for Warhammer, place. I've bought every Warhammer game and all the DLC <laughs> never played them. So <laughs> hopefully oh, I'll get around and play uh, Warhammer 3. Yeah. Wait, well, I've wait. played it a little bit, but not nowhere near. As the thing is, you sure. know that you'll be able to play, like when the all thing is about DLC, yeah. all the DLC, um, you, none of it's going to go to waste because it will all go into the big game that they're, they're making. So... For those of you who don't know, Total War Warhammer 2 had this big campaign that mixed all the content from the first game and the second game together called Mortal Empires. And it's been informally called Immortal Empires, and that's going to be the third game. And I mean, Mortal Empires is amazing now. It's such a good game, but the third game is just going to have so many con- so much content. So for people like Drake, like I'm the same, by the way. I bought all those, I dutifully bought all those damn DLC, and I've only played probably about a third of them. Maybe not even that, <laughs> like but the, you know it's all there now for for posterity's sake. So you can go back to it and play it in your old age, Drexy. You know, like tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say you're basically a whale at the moment, aren't you? Like you bought all this stuff, you don't actually use it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They're looking at you like they're like, man, that that one that one account bought all of our stuff and never played it. Anyways, well, that was that was it. That was the 2021 wrap up. And I really appreciate you guys sticking around and, and talking to me. And, and of course, to you guys who have gotten up early, thank you. I'm going to go and die now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the last show of Drexy's ever. Yeah, he's, he just died when he coughed then. That's he's expired. <laughs> that was his last breath. Oh, well, he's old enough, though. He's had a good, he's had a good time, hasn't he? Yeah. He's, he's had a good innings. Yeah, exactly. Well, you right. know... I, I do want to say something and then I'm going to wrap this up for everybody out there. You know, thank you so much for being with us. This has been one of the best years for Explominate insanely enough because half the year I wasn't able to really do anything with it. But 
you know, with regards to our Patreon and with regards to our YouTubes and all that stuff, I mean, our numbers are fantastic. You know, even though we're not really able to, to put in an insane amount of time to this, the each article I see, like, you know, three, four thousand, five, five thousand people looking at it, which is fantastic. We've gotten way higher than that. Our podcast now is it roughly three to four thousand downloads every time we put out an episode, sometimes much more. And that's really cool to see. And I just want to thank everyone because I know that it, if, you know, this, this crazy thing that I decided to start seven years ago, you know, on a whim, really, just to kind of give the, the Forex genre a place to be. And now we're, you know, branching out into various different, you know, genres even. And we've brought in a lot of great writers. And like I said, the, the fan feedback has been really great. And it's the reason why I keep going. It's the reason why I think all these guys are here. And I just want to thank everybody. Thank you for a great 2021. You know, this this year was shitty in a lot of ways, but great in a lot of other ways. And it's a lot of reason. A lot of the reason why it was great was because of you guys. So thank you. And we look forward to, you know, continuing to do our thing in 2022. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Cheers, Rob. And thank you, everyone. It has been kind of a shitty year for a lot of us, but it's been really good that, you know, we've been able to stay involved with the site and do, and do this, like still maintain this keep it going it's it's been really nice and um yeah thanks for being awesome everyone hey and jesse thanks for joining us man you had some great insight i really appreciate it yeah it was a, it was a blast uh, thanks for having me for sure yeah and thanks for being with the site too we've really enjoyed your input as well and that's it that's the uh, that's the show you know thanks to everybody who's stuck around this long and again thanks for all your support in 2021 until next year this is rob drexy ben Sean and Jesse for Explorinates. Keep exploring.